What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. You know, I think daily as we get out of bed every morning and our our head pulls off that pillow and we take a look in the mirror, which isn't getting better with time, but we take a look in the mirror and we think about the day in front of us. None of us want to be average. None of us want to be just getting through. I think there's a part of all of us that want to be more than who we are and really want to be the people that God created us to be. So we're on a journey together. We're on a journey to learn not only leadership, but we're on a journey to learn spiritual leadership, that art of figuring out why did God put me here? You know, I love that verse in the New Testament where it said David served his purpose in his generation and then he died. Boy, what a great thing to be said about you and to be said about me that we served our purpose in our generation, and then we passed. And it really doesn't matter our field. It really doesn't matter what we do. It more matters who we are while we do what we do and why we do what we do. You know, there's there's a phrase I love. I remember a few years ago, I put it on a poster and gave it out to local football coaches. And the phrase says this, We don't burn out because of what we do. We burn out because we forget why we do what we do. This is all about your bigger why. It's all about more than the paycheck. It's about more than the title on your business card. It really is about the calling that God has placed on your life to be the best that you can be in the place that he's put you. Well, today we get a a real privilege to sit down with a great friend of mine. His name is Shane Williamson. I met Shane a number of years ago when he moved to Atlanta with his family to be the city coordinator of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I've always loved FCA. Going back to high school, president of my local huddle there in high school at Fett County High School, to today getting to work with local FCAs and doing retreats for coaches and their spouses, I've always loved their mission and what they're about, which is making a difference in this athletic world that they've been put in and using the the whole concept of a huddle and this intimate face-to-face connection to help young men and young women connect more than just about a sport, but connect about something that lasts forever. And that really is the passion of FCA. When I met Shane, one of the things that stood out to me was Shane's energy. Shane brings a ton of energy. I could see why he had been a local high school football coach in South Carolina, and I could see what had made him successful in that he was going to bring to Atlanta. Well, then just a few years later, Shane gets the tap on the shoulder to not just be a part of FCA, but to be the president of Fellowship of Christian athletes that has truly ministry presence worldwide. I have a good friend here in the local area that I serve in, a football coach that went over to Brazil this summer with FCA 
to work with coaches that are trying to teach the game of American football to Brazilian athletes. So their reach really is a worldwide reach. So it's more than just a local huddle. It's literally huddles of disciple makers all over the world that are using the platform of athletics to make a difference. Well, today in this episode, you're going to hear a lot of great truths from Shane. You're going to find out that behind uh, this energy and behind this passion is a guy who gets it in leadership. And I think even more importantly, you're going to find out Shane is a guy that gets it in life. You're going to bring out of this some truths you're going to be able to apply to what you do. So pull up a chair, listen in to our time with Shane Williamson. Shane, it is a, it is an honor to welcome you on here today. And uh, man, it's great to get to spend a little bit of time with you. It's been a little while since we sat sat together. So it is good to spend a few minutes with you, buddy. Yeah, Mike, it sure has. And uh, I, uh, I remember and recall very well uh, just incredible memories of the time that we spent together in Atlanta and uh, just being a part of watching you as a leader with your team at North Star and just the things that have transpired through that ministry and the people that you've equipped and certainly empowered to go on and lead ministry themselves. So it's great to reconnect, bud, and uh, look forward to, to sharing here with you in the next few minutes. Well, you know, Shane, I remember it was probably 05, 06, I think, when you moved to the Atlanta area to work with FCA that we first connected. Did you, and and I remember meeting you going, man, that guy's got passion and that guy's got vision. And I could see that God was going to use you to do some huge things, not only here in the Atlanta area, but even later on in a much larger scale. Did you ever see that in you? Is that something that even as maybe a high school student, college athlete, high school athlete that you look back and went, yeah, I could see myself doing that. How did, how did all that get formed in you, Shane? Well, I I think that, uh, uh, first of all, I I think the opportunity uh, to lead is um, often granted to us by a principle that we'll probably talk about at some point during our conversation here about empowering people and uh, I was very fortunate uh, through my young church life, uh, through athletics, through a uh, uh, head high school football coach who's like my second father. You know, I had great influencers in my life. And for those listening, I think as you recognize characteristics in young people and people, you, even people that you may interact in the workspace that are adults, and you see certain traits about them that might lead you to believe there's leadership capacity. One of the greatest things we can do is empower people towards that, to give them that opportunity. So I've been very blessed uh, for sure to to give you given some opportunities along the way. But uh, no, I'll say this, when we rolled into Atlanta, we called Atlanta our Nineveh and uh, our kids didn't want to be there, but they just didn't want to get swallowed by a whale. And we got there and uh, man, uh, that is one of the moments in time where uh, we really uh, knew we were supposed to be there, but we, if you were asking me if I knew what would happen from there in the days since then, I'm probably not. <laughs> Man, you know, and it's so funny. You, you talk about a high school coach. In fact, I was reading a, a quote he said about you. He said, uh, I think Tim Renfro was your coach's name, and he said he was a leader that you could see from an early age. It was fun watching the process. 
He played for me and coached for me. I don't think he was looking to climb the ladder. It just happened because that's who he is. People see his passion for the Lord in athletics. You know, and it probably, that was probably seen in you before you ever saw it. Do you think that maybe in some way God used a high school coach being so influential to you to getting you to a place today that you're influencing high school coaches? Oh, there's no question. You know, we, uh, I often say that outside of the parent in the home uh, on a child's life, there's not uh, another more influential adult figure on the planet, not just in the United States. I've traveled all around the world than a coach. And uh, again, if, if you're a person who coaches, I don't care if you coach eight-year-olds or 18-year-olds or 28-year-olds over the, in the pros, every level of opportunity, uh, the imprint, the impressions and the imprint that many women who coach uh, make on young people, boys and girls, young men and women, uh, Mike, is, is outside, again, outside the influence of the parent. There's not a more influential opportunity in which to to, to serve people and, and ultimately grow up leaders. And I know you coached for 10 years. So post-college, I know you played football at Wofford. You got into teaching and coaching. Was that hard to remember sometimes when you were in the thick of it and the heat of the battle? Yeah, you know, uh, well, you know, I'm still, first of all, I'm still coaching 27 years later. I'm now coaching 10 and under football. And uh, let me just get it on the record that coaching 10 and under football is way harder than coaching in high school and college. So for all you right coaches out there, I feel your pain. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not easy, but uh, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, um, it is very easy, no matter how long you do it to lose sight of the things that are really, really important. And, um, uh, the, 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 this identity crisis of being successful and that's determined by wins and losses. And ultimately that can really, really get in the way of, uh, of really keeping focused on investing in, in the heart and the mind of those children as we have the opportunity to coach. And we often say, you know, be a three-dimensional coach, you know, coach them physically, coach them emotionally and mentally and certainly coach their heart spiritually. But you know, Mike, I'll tell football coaches a lot of times that uh, it's easy to be a three-dimensional coach until you get a holding call on 31. And, uh, and then you, (laughs) then you kind of maybe lose sight of the bigger, you go three-dimensional, but just not on the right (laughs) person. That is so true, man. That is so true. Tell everybody a little bit about, you know, let let, let me backtrack a little bit. I don't want to go there yet. So you're coaching 10 years and man, you get a call, you get a call. I know you were a FCA sponsor. You were working in the local schools. Was it hard to leave coaching as a profession to step into uh, the world of FCA? Talk tell me a little bit about that journey. Uh, No question. Um, Absolutely. Probably the most difficult moment of our lives, Angel and I both. Uh, She was a counselor, a high school counselor. I was a, High school coach, coached in college a couple of years. It was, uh, it was, it was an it's an incredible calling, a passion, and you invest so much into it of your time and your life as a family, not just as a coach. And uh, you know, I, I think that uh, um, I, it, the moment for me, Mike, that uh, where God affirmed and confirmed the calling, where I was able to 
to, to some degree release this idea that I felt like that God had made me to coach was when uh, uh, another coach who was a, a, an FCA guy at the time said to me on the phone, he asked me the question, do you miss coaching? I said, oh, I miss it, you know, really bad. He said, well, I just want to encourage you to still coaching. And I thought, you know, Mike, I thought he misunderstood me. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not coaching right now. He said, no, you're coaching coaches. Mm-hmm. And you know, that little phrase, that little phrase of God making me aware that so many times the experiences we're having, the things he's doing in our life, although they're, they're very meaningful and purposeful at that moment, there's, they're even many times preparation for something that he may be wanting to do or is going to do with us in the future. And we're just, we're just not aware of it at the time. That is really good, man. And, and that is so true. I mean, your influence has gone from the young men that you're leading to people that were once in a region, but now, you know, are a national audience. Tell everybody a little bit, Shane. I know some of the folks listening in may not have a background in athletics and be as familiar with FCA. Tell everybody a little bit about FCA and the impact you guys are looking to make across the country. Yeah, well, it's it's been a great journey um, from uh, the days of FCA when I was in high school or college, and we were a, a ministry and still are a ministry where kids get together on Friday morning at seven o'clock uh, for a huddle meeting at a local high school or middle school. But in the last decade, um, what we've become to realize as a ministry is all of the things that we can provide in the public and private schools and the colleges and the middle schools and and even in club and travel sports, all the things that we can do as a ministry. And again, we do that. uh, And you know, this as well as anybody uh, directly in partnership with the local church. When we do those things, um, what we realized was the coach was a catalyst. Hmm. And when you think about ministry of multiplication, scalability, the ability to see as, as Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, disciples, go make disciples. As we look at that process of the ability for, for, for influence to ultimately happen and, and, and multiplication to occur, we saw the coach as the catalyst. And so we began to develop as a ministry the ability to support a strategy called to and through the coach. And and that's been what we've been driving towards. We, 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 we believe that the platform of athletics is an unbelievable platform for a life change, uh, without question. And inside of it, these coaches and their influence and these athlete leaders and their influence provide some of the greatest opportunities for God to do a major work in our culture here in the U.S. and around the world. I love that. I love that. And I think, boy, I know so many if it weren't for FCA and it weren't for that coach, I mean, I think eternity would be very different for them. And, and man, you guys have been knocking it out for years, but I think especially here in the last few years with your camp ministry and some things that have wrapped up, it's funny this morning, I walked in and in my office, they're hosting an FCA elementary meeting where they're getting FCA elementary started out here in Les Cobb, which is awesome. And our children's leader here at North Star has been a part of that. But you've got a bigger task. So you represent now a national organization that has huddles all across the country. You are leading, you're leading people. And how would you define, Shane, how would you define the way you are hoping to lead? What What's your desire as a leader as you lead this incredible organization? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, um, Mike, thank you for that question. And um, yeah, I, I think I would, if I could set the table uh, a little bit as I answer that question, I, I think fundamentally for me over uh, our lifetime and in reading uh, works by Blackaby and Dave Kraft and others, and certainly what God's Word kind of, uh, kind of teaches us through uh, those He used in leadership from Genesis to Revelation. It, it's, I think I, I look at it from uh, three angles. Uh, lead yourself, lead others, and lead organizationally. And I think as you consider that continuum, um, God will um, you know kind of take you on a journey. And I think uh, in order to ultimately be effective at leading organizationally, a lot of people aspire to leadership. Uh, you know, they kind of they feel like, hey, I want more responsibility, or I feel like I could influence others at a greater level. And I think what God says to us is He says, you know, well, uh, let's take let's take that journey together. First is lead yourself, and 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 that's a principle that we can unpack briefly lead others and then that's the ability to take what's in you and ultimately it 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 becomes an inside out thing that it works its way out of you onto the lives of other people and then by fundamentally being in a position to lead yourself well and lead others well then you are ready in my opinion to lead organizationally and then there's some some few principles there and if you got a few minutes maybe we could unpack those three for just a second in terms yeah. of how they fleshed out in my life i would love to hear that so talk to me about leading yourself you come you come out of the coaching world all this is being formed in you all these years now you look back in the rearview mirror and you see the really the the pretty vast influence that you've been given um in this role that god's put you in how how has that lead yourself principle worked out for you yeah, you know, so um, when uh, uh, when you think about leading yourself, you know, first and foremost, you know, you have to think about the principle that you can't give what you don't have. Okay, so yeah. so I, I kind of live by that life principle that uh, that that our our leading of ourselves is an inside out deal. You know, we used to you know tell our kids all the time, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, good things in, good things out. And so what? comes in you ultimately works its way out of you. And I, I think when you think about Psalm 119, and you, if you look at that entire chapter, it's all about uh, taking God's word and his principles and his precepts in relationship to my time with God individually and my time with others and how those things ultimately form and fashion me and my heart and my attitude and my actions and my effort. And so, you know, God's word and his precepts coming with the spirit, the lens, the fruits of the spirit begin to exhibit themselves as I commit myself to leading myself. So there aren't, you know, it's funny, there, there aren't any shortcuts in the athletics. You know, everybody's looking for a way to get faster or stronger or better. Uh, uh, it, with an easier way. And you know, Mike, there aren't any shortcuts. And I think in leading ourselves, um, it's the same, that, that, that our ability to commit ourselves to God's word, to worship, to fellowship, to a local church, um, those things are fundamental in our ability to, 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 do, uh, to grow and to lead ourselves. And 
I think so many times that there's a, a look for some other way. Matthew six thirty three is my life verse. And, you know, what, as it says, it says, seek first what? The kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Because all the other things seem to be the things I desire. But God says, nope, before that's ever a reality, you got to seek me first. That's good. And does it get easier as you get older? Is leading yourself Not, at the at the <laughs> age you are now easier than it was when you were 22? You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it is, but it isn't, right? Yeah. I mean, it is that you have a greater level of self-awareness. It isn't because the, the longer, you know, there are seasons of life where there are variances in the level of distractions and responsibilities that you have. And so as you work through those seasons of life, the, 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 the effort that it requires or the discipline or, or just the, the attitude of commitment that it requires to lead yourself changes a little bit because you have different things that um, tend to get in the way. And, uh, and so I would say, yes, there is a greater level of self-aware. Yes, there is a, a, a better understanding of those things, but make no mistake about it. Um, uh, you, you tell an athlete when you come on the, the, the floor, the floor the you, you're going to get better or worse today. There's no, there's no neutral. And there's no neutral in life. <laughs> it's, right. You know, it's it's one of those things where you know you you gotta you gotta attack that on a daily basis. So, um, so I would say the answer to that is a little bit yes and no. So you move from leading yourself to leading others. What, yes. what did you find was the growth parts of that for you as you began to lead others? Uh, I, I would think first and foremost is listening. You know, it's interesting if you're if you're a person who desires to lead. One of the most fundamental flaws in that is that that means that I'm going to to lead. It really means that I need to uh, exercise, or I need to put my influence or my ideas on others. That that's actually a, that that is a very fundamental natural tendency in leadership. Is that mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm a leader. I've got some ideas. I think I can make this better. So I need to impress upon others uh, the uh, those ideas so that we can move forward. In Proverbs eighteen thirteen, well, it's a, it's a great verse, Mike. It says, "If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame." Well, that's good. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. And and I think one of the things I learned early on was I was. I was ambitious and I was aggressive. I was passionate and I thought I had some great ideas and, and I got a little bit too much in a hurry and, and, and not sitting back and trying to, when you're leading others, giving them the opportunity. Cause you know, when there's way in, there's buy-in. That's right. You know, and so the opportunity to allow people to be a part of the process or the, the element or the organizational decision or whatever it is that you're, you're, you're influencing others with. And, and the other thing is, and I said this earlier is empower, you know, uh, I, I think that um, the uh, uh, first head coach I ever worked for was Shell Dooley. He was the head coach at union high school in South Carolina. He won five state championships at three different schools. He won almost 300 games. He was a legend in that state. And I got ready to leave and go take a defensive coordinator job uh, from that outside linebacker position there. And I sat down with him before I left, and I said, Coach Dill, I, you know, I, I, 
I'm just going to ask you one question. Of all the things you've accomplished, well, tell me the thing that really has brought the greatest level of, of, of satisfaction to you or this encourages you, that makes you feel like it's your own path where God would have you to be. And he said this without hesitation. The number of coaches who have worked for me who are now head coaches. Wow. And, you know, I, that, that work, that, in my mind, immediately, that is in direct contradiction to what sometimes we feel like is in football. You think you got to keep your staff together. You got to keep everybody on the same page. And his idea was, I, I, I want to empower people. And that goes back to the principle of coaching. Um, the guy who, uh, uh, Art Williams, who wrote a book, who, who, who was a Prime America, just an incredible business guy in Georgia, uh, very successful, wrote a book, Everything I Know About Business, I Learned From Coaching. And I think when you think about the word empower, I, I just I just love to tie that to the word coaching because at the very heart of coaching is encouraging and equipping and ultimately engaging people in a way that they are, are getting better. And, you know, I tell our coaches all the time, t- say three, wor- three, three positive comments to everyone negative. <laughs> you know, so That's right. For, for every correction, you know, give them three accolades. And I think that uh, as you lead others, the two principles that I, that I, I think I would share that I've learned, that there are lots of principles to share, but two that I've really learned is the principle of listening and the principle of empowering. Boy, that's so good. You know, in, in, in our world, it is a negative world we live in. And so many of these kids that walk into these locker rooms and walk into these huddles don't experience positivity and they don't experience somebody something in them. And I don't think that changes a lot as adults. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty negative environment. And when somebody empowers you and listens and they care, why do you feel like if you can lead yourself and you can lead others, then you're finally ready to lead an organization. Why having those two things in place, both of those, not one or the other, but both of them, why is that so critical to being able to lead an organization effectively? You know, it's interesting because uh, uh, there's a quote, um, uh, well, it was a question that I was asked once, Mike, uh, by a, a great leader. He And I was sitting across the table and coffee from me. He said, Jamie said, what do you think is more important in leadership, in, in being able to lead an organization, do you think it's authority or credibility? Mm. And you know what? I went, wow. Because again, the initial thought is, is that by leading myself well and leading others well, people observe me. So therefore, I'm given a position of leadership where I'm in, in, in leading an organization or leading a, a larger part of an organization, and I'm given a title. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, so, uh, so now I have authority. Uh, yet, we know this to be true. The greatest motivation of people uh, is when is through this level of respect and credibility, where through your actions and the things that you've done and the way you go about doing what you do um, is what ultimately gives you the ability to have a larger level of influence. You know, we often say that, you know, you're, you're, if, if your beliefs and your behaviors don't match up on a consistent basis, then it's really tough to have a large level of influence because you don't have a large level of credibility. You can have all the authority you want to, and people will respond to that authority within an organization because they have to. But if you want them to do it because they want to, 
meaning they're going to be way more engaged and way more passionate about what they do. It's going to be a result of of who you are uh, and the credibility that you've gotten through leading yourself and leading others along the way. Boy, that is good. And, and, and that's critical. And I hope, especially guys that may be a little bit younger, I hope they get that because it is easy to use the authority. And I think we've all yep. heard the phrase, and you and I have been in enough huddles and locker rooms to hear, because I'm the head coach. I've heard that said numerous times before. And, and it does make you wonder, why did you have to tell them? They already know that. Everybody in here knows that. And, yep. Uh, yep. That's, and, and when you don't have that credibility, that's, that's a, that was an insightful question, man. That guy asked you. That was strong, <laughs> man. That is really strong. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And it's so true because as you lead into a larger level, uh, you're a head coach, you lead a business, you lead a church, you even lead your family. You know, That's it's right. um, uh, the the ability to uh, concentrate on those those first couple of fundamentals of, of how you lead yourself and then ultimately how you lead others. That'll lead you to a point where, where you lead organizationally. And when you're leading organizationally, um, you know, everybody, Nehemiah is such a great, you know, principle, uh, uh, has so many great principles in Nehemiah as we look at that book and, and, and how that kind of fleshed out for him and what God put in his heart. But my favorite definition of leading organizationally is, is really, really simple, making vision reality. Nice. <laughs> so it's just really simple because I think in the end of the day, you know, organizations move and God moves on the hearts of leaders and there's directions that you want to go. And and yet the gap between what we feel like is the vision for where we're going and the reality of that becoming real and, and, and being put into practice is a pretty big space there. And um, I think, you know, it's uh, if we can apply the principles of, 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 of Nehemiah there where you see, uh, you see a prayer, you see planning and you see a, just a, just a dedicated pursuit. You know, we talk about all the time, pray, plan, pursue, pray, plan, pursue, you know, and, and use those fundamentals. They, that's some elements that can help you make that vision a reality. You know, Shane, you, you, we talked organizationally, you know, you're ready to lead organization. That's a, that's a, you've got quite a task in front of you. Give everybody a little bit of a perspective of what FCA looks like across the board. So as you look out and you go, okay, here's what FCA represents. Give everybody a, l- a little picture of what that means to you. Yeah, you know, we uh, uh, the scope um, of FCA in recent years, of course, Mike has moved globally. And that has um, created um, for us, um, you know, some areas that we have to look at. And I can tell you a little bit about that process because I think you, like everything else, you got to trust the process. When you talk about leading organizationally and you're asking God for that vision, that the ability to go from vision to reality is a process. And you got to trust the process. And we can talk about that if you'd like. But I, I think the, the for us, the scope of FCA, some of the things that have created for us organizational tension. And I think organizational tension is really healthy because in the middle of that tension is where we have to depend on God. Because yeah. if there's no organizational tension, there's nothing out in front of us, and we can sit in our chair and go, you know, I think I got this. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. And you know that that's not where that's not where God's living. He's not living our lives in this 
this area of where we're just comfortable and we're just kind of going day to day. But, but I think for us that that organizational tension is is kind of sits in two two areas and and uh, the, a lot of listeners probably uh, one will resonate with one of these two. One I just described as international global uh, sports is an international language. As a matter of fact, uh, there is a word we tried to actually find. Uh, another word we brought in international sports leaders and wanted to do a video about coaching. And we asked him, what is your word for coach? And the guy from Thailand said coach and the guy from Russia said coach. And the guy <laughs> from Australia said coach. And, and we were like, Oh my goodness. You know? So, uh, so it is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a universal passion is, is to play and to compete. And, and then the second one is right here in our own country. Many parents are probably listening. You have them in your church, Mike. Travel and club sports in our country has has totally, totally in a decade revamped the way we as adults and families interact with sports. It 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 uh, it causes us to spend entire weekends and to go to cities across the country. And yep. I mean, there's just it's it's just different. And we as a ministry are trying to understand what God is asking us to do, Mike, in supporting families that are uh, in church, families that are unchurched, uh, as they, uh, millions of them, literally, on every weekend of the year, are somewhere in the country playing a sport uh, uh, of some type. Wow. And you don't even think about that. You forget that is like the, you know, right here in our backyard, gosh, and you're familiar with Lake Point Sports up there. And that's yeah. a whole, that's yeah. a whole community built on this amazing, this amazing uh, evolution of how sports is going. So yeah. And, and it really is quite the task because it is a, it is a new horizon of how we can reach out and, and it's a good and bad. It really is a good and bad of how we can do that. Shane, so you get where you're at, but I'm sure somewhere along the way you've had some you've had some dark days and you've had some days mm. that almost kept you from getting mm. where you're at. What 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 have you done to get through some of that um some of those valleys I think everybody experiences in life? Yeah, I think the um um <laughs> you know, uh if you if you're around in sports for any period of time, you know, you, you're going to win some and lose some <laughs> along the way. And, uh, and that's the nature of it. And, and I think that's the same way it is, uh, the battles, the peaks and the valleys in our homes with our families, our own children, uh, in our churches, our businesses. Um, you know, I think the thing that is, uh, um, most important to uh, the ability to work through some of the more challenging elements is, is again, first and fundamentally is that God is at work in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he works all things. To, you know, we, 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 when we say that we work, God works all things together for good. And he, and he does that for those who are called according to his purposes. And we, we, we love to talk, but in the end, he is at work, and, and it's not uh, until um, later do we see that. I think secondly is um, make sure that you're surrounded by people uh, who will, uh, you know, are foxhole friends is what I call them. Because <laughs> if you don't have some, you don't have some foxhole friends, uh, guys that, hey, they, they know they're as broken as you are, and in the tough times, 
you know, they mean the most to you. And I, I think I had a dear friend recently who went through a very difficult situation, a uh, very prominent figure in sports community. And I think uh, if he was on this uh, program with you and I, he would say the thing that he did was he failed to continue to uh, let the people closest to him be close to him. And, uh, and I think that that's an important part as well. And I think, you know, believing that God's at work in all things, having some foxhole friends. And then lastly, you know what? Um, uh, it, it is, it is a cliche, Mike, but it is true. You know, um, it's, uh, it's not about, uh, you know, uh, how many times you go not get knocked down. It's about, you know, how quickly you get up. And, um, I think the, when you think about leading organizationally, that's, that the, the, the intentionality to focus and not be distracted is one thing, but the discipline to finish and to, 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 you know, we love to watch those guys, you know, run, get crossed and go through the tape. And, uh, I think it's hard to do, but ultimately having people around us, uh, and believing in God's purposes will help us get there. Amen. So you, you get to the end of the journey, you look back in the rear view mirror, based on your leadership, how you led yourself, how you led others, how you led your organization, and you spoke to it a second ago, how you led your family. I don't know how much you love your family. What do you want the people who've known Shane Williamson the best, whether it was in the locker room, whether it was in the boardroom, whether it was in, in, the, in the den, in the house, what do you want people that have known you best to say about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, that one's, uh, is, is, I hope that, uh, that you can say two things and that, cause I believe it is the fundamental, uh, calling on all of our lives is that there was clear evidence that he loved God and he loved people. Mm. And, you know, Mike, I, I, I think that, uh, in a transactional world where it's about getting to A to B or getting whatever you needed it done as fast as you can get it done. You know, we've, we, we, you know, the, the ability to slow down so that we can be intimate with God and to slow down so that we can truly love people. So we can call that person who uh, we bought our groceries from the day by name that we, when we pick up a piece of co- a cup of coffee, we, we, we take a second to engage that person I just feel like that uh, part of what Jesus did as he made his way around his ministry was he he just he just wasn't in a hurry and and by not being in a hurry it allowed him to stay focused on God's will for his life and it allowed him to be able to just to engage people uh, in a way that is different um uh and I just would hope that people would say that um you know Regardless of the outcomes, because we don't control the outcomes anyway, we just control the inputs and the outputs, and that's the best we can do. At the end of the day, that he was a a man that loved God and he loved people, and um, and I think that um, that'd be great. Man, that yeah. If if you accomplish both of those, which I think you're on the on the way to doing both of those, you've lived a good life, had you? If you can knock those two out. Boy, I tell you what. Yeah. So if people want to know more about you, Shane, or about FCA, what's the best way for them to find out about that? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Just real simple, fca.org. You know, hit our website and you can find out more about the ministry. You can find out uh, who your local staff person is. 
you can look for ways to volunteer in other areas uh, to get involved. So thanks for that. Well, buddy, thanks for the mark you're making for the kingdom. And Shane, it's an honor, honor to call you friend. And thanks so much for taking time to be on with us today, buddy. Yeah, Mike, and thank you for setting this up and uh, allowing people to hear from others of what God's done in their lives and just kind of relay that on. So uh, appreciate you and uh, Lord bless you, buddy. I hope you enjoyed that time with Shane today. You know, in every episode, I always want to take that rearview mirror and look back a little bit at some of the things we learned and some of the things that they shared. But I think with Shane, more than just the truths that he shared, which I took pages and pages and pages of notes. There's two words that describe Shane Williamson to me, passion and energy. From the very first time I met Shane to the Shane today, the guy brings it. He brings passion and energy. And you know what I know about people that bring passion and energy? They are contagious. There's something about them that you want a little bit of. Maybe for you, you've gotten a little stale in what you're doing. You've lost some of that zeal. You've lost some of that passion. You've lost some of that energy. You know, that's scriptural. I remember David uh, in the Psalms crying out and saying, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. I, you know, I think for all of us, there's, there's times that we lose that. And I hear a guy like Shane, and it makes me go, I want more of that. And you know where that comes from, don't you? That comes from that daily time with the Lord. You know, happiness ebbs and flows, goods and bads, good days, bad days, ups and downs. Our lives are like a roller coaster sometimes. But joy, that joy that the Lord infuses us with, it comes from the inside out. Shane has joy. And it is written all over his face. And I'm telling you, you talk to anybody that knows Shane, and they'll tell you this, that guy brings it. And he brings it because of what God is doing inside his heart. I hope you enjoyed that time with Shane. I hope you took some good notes. Guy's more than a coach, isn't he? He's a guy that gets leadership, and he gets even more spiritual leadership. Thanks a ton, Shane, for joining us and pouring into us, because I know this, I'm better for that time we had together, and I so hope that you are. Well, if you get a chance, if you've enjoyed the Lynch with a Leader podcast, go on and leave a rating or review on the place that you listen in, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher. We'd love to hear feedback from you, but thanks again for joining us, and I can't wait to be with you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.